Hello and welcome to this latest HFS uh, Hot Bender Fireside. Um, today I'm with Alan Hester, the president of Nividus, and I want to tell us uh, first a little bit about um, why we've chosen Nividus and, and what Nividus is. And we describe Nividus as a, a, a born business process approach to end-to-end -end automation with server-based licensing and low-risk engagement models to appeal to the mid-market. So it's a hybrid product and services business based in Mumbai, India, where the company's been running for more than a decade now and has offices in the US and the UK. Uh, it started life as an RPA provider, but has since expanded into uh, business process automation and intelligent document processing, all on a platform with AI built in. Now, we've identified Nividus as an HFS one office hot vendor for extending the promise of outcome led end to end business process in, and, and extending it to the mid market. We applaud the risk producing approach that's offered in the way it does its deals and its wise intent in starting small and then helping its clients scale the value they find in business process automation. So, Alan, tell us in your words what it is that Nividus does, because that's our take. But uh, how are you going to market? What's the story you're telling? Sure, yeah, I think for us, there are a lot of things that we do a little bit differently from everyone else. And I think it stems out of what you've already mentioned, which is that we have a process first approach to what we do. And this is a little bit different from other RPA vendors that started life focused on task-based automation, whereas our approach has always been focused on end-to-end -end automation. And I think because we started out with that in mind, that's built into the way we approach all of our engagements, and it really informs every step of the process along the way. And I think what that does for our customers that we work with it gives them a great opportunity for being able to all at once start small, but with the end in mind, so that it's easy for them to scale past that initial pilot or POC stage to the point where they're building an enterprise solution. And from our experience, that's where we found a lot of people get stuck. It's easy to get the pilot right or the POC right, but then taking it from that point to a solution that really has enterprise level impact can be difficult. Sure, and something that really stood out for me when uh, I was looking into you guys was um, actually the approach to uh, billing. Right? So, uh, yeah, I've spoken to customers who, who tell me it's absolutely right. You do uh, come along, work with them, work through the solution, but it's only when they're starting to see value that you're starting to charge them. I'm sure that can't be the case every time. Uh, I'm not sure how you'd stay in business, but, but tell us how that works. So what you're talking about is what we call the quick start program. And this is a great way for companies that are just testing the waters. Maybe this will be their first attempt at automation. And in many cases, when we sit down with a customer for the first time, because we are focused on the mid-market, they often don't have a very deep technology background. 
And so when we tell them about the things that we can do for them, they immediately like it, but they're not sure they believe it. So they, they, want, they want to believe, they want to hope that they can have that kind of impact on their business, but this gives them a risk-free way of being able to take that first step. And so what we do is we provide a project where the, the first stage is sitting down with them and helping to select an area of the business where there's gonna be a big impact and yet the implementation will be fairly simple. And so by doing it this way, we limit the scope of the project to something that can be delivered within four to six weeks. And we build the entire thing for them in production. It's not just a custom demo. This is something that's built on their infrastructure and it's something that they can use in an unlimited basis as they see fit. And then only after they see it's delivering value to the organization, that's when we invoice them. So they get a chance to prove out the ROI before they incur any cost at all. So effectively, they've already made, they're already making money from what you've done uh, before you start charging them for it. Exactly. It's, a, it's an easy way to get them past that point of being skeptical about the technology or possibly being skeptical about us because they see it working with their own eyes. So this is a result of targeting the SME market or tell us how you started. Was that always the intent uh, to go after SMEs or did you think, ah, no, actually this is an area that is underserved and therefore we'll develop models to help? Yeah, it's not. It's not where we started. In fact, I'd say our, our early customers were, were quite large and, and still many of our customers are large, but from an outreach perspective, we found that when we were engaging with, with new prospects, anytime we were talking to someone in the mid-market, we would be more of an educational call. So you know, they would not have heard of the technology at all and they would instantly be intrigued and it would, it would really resonate with them. And so what that meant is we weren't having to do uh, shoot offs with other technology vendors and we weren't having to prove ourselves and, and highlight our differentiators, which we're, we're happy to do all of that, but it just makes the whole process a lot easier to get started with someone when you're just explaining to them hey, here's a great technology to use. We, we know a lot about it and uh, we can put it to work for you. And when we were able to have those kinds of conversations with people, it made it easy for us to, number one, get over the initial sales hump, but also build a relationship then that would stand the test of time, which really is our goal with all of our customers. It's, it's not a one and done kind of solution because once they see the payback from that initial process, there's usually so much more that they identify across the business that they want to automate. So it becomes really a long-term relationship. And that's what started our focus on the mid-market. We saw that kind of thing developing with those size companies. And we thought it's much better for us right now to just target this market 
where really none of our competition is focusing. So, so is the story um, one of uh, focusing on selling uh, Foku and not well informed on automation, selling them on the idea of automation in the first place? Or do you go in um, with a much more open conversation about what's the problems you're facing uh, and then look at how you can solve some of those with automation? Yeah, that's an interesting question because that's really how our sales cycle has evolved. We, we have uh, deep roots in the BPM or business process management space. So, so we used to start the conversation more from the standpoint of the second idea you mentioned, which is, you know, how, how can we solve your problem? And that kind of greenfield wide open approach, I think it makes it harder for companies to visualize how the technology can go to work for them. And I think this is one of the reasons why RPA has been so successful as a technology that companies can latch right onto and, and decide to implement quickly because you know, it's easier for them to visualize what that task-based automation can do for them rather than having to think across their entire enterprise you know, how, how a solution at that level is going to impact the whole business and then narrowing it down to which one of those to focus on, it can just become very, very complicated. And so for, for us, I think we found that, that leading with the automation first, just saying, hey, you know, look at those areas of your business where you know you're spending a lot of manual effort and think about what that will mean to your business if you can reduce that. And that just makes the engagement much easier to start with. And then once you have the relationship established, then it's easy to build on that and talk about those other things, how you scale that across the enterprise and across the end-to-end business processes. And this is interesting because I think what the saying, and put me right if I'm getting this wrong, is that the, just the language and concept of RPA um, makes it a relatively simple sell a, te- a simple technology sell versus trying to wander in and go i'm going to digitally transform your business with my hyper automation tool set like yes. that, that's complex and scary but yes. you're going, i'm going to start small look we have good so it's a technology-led conversation which is interesting in itself well, well um, i think the the interesting part just to, uh sorry to interrupt you there but the interesting part of this is that when we're talking to customers, we don't generally talk about the technology at all. So most of them, as I said, they don't really have an an IT background. They don't usually have a really large IT staff. We're not engaging with the IT part of their organization. Usually it's led on the operations side more so than IT or or other specific areas, maybe maybe finance or HR. And, uh, And so because of that, you know, we try to avoid talking about the technology and just talk about the business impact to them. Because what we found is in many cases, as technologists, we tend to overcomplicate it, right? If we start them off with the technology and showing them a demo and showing them how to build everything, they their eyes start glazing over, right? They don't, 
I mean, it, they only really care about the result. And so what we realized is if we boil down the conversation to the result, it's a lot easier. Now, in many cases, IT will come in later and they'll want a demo and they'll want to learn a little bit more about how the technology works, but that's not where we start. And that makes perfect sense because I always wonder at whether anyone thinks there's a CEO or CFO out there who's desperate to buy automation. And they're desperate to have outcomes that create value for right. them and automation may be part of that suite. But you have talked about, and I think um, I've seen you guys have started extending out from what was a fairly straightforward RPA play initially. You're adding IDP, you're adding broader process automation. Can you tell us a little about what the journey has been for that? Why you've made those choices and how far you are along the road? Sure. I think for us, really, it's all been customer led. So we've kind of followed the market and listened to what people have been telling us. And so... We still, from an engagement standpoint, we, we lead with the automation message, but I think what has shifted, at least what we have seen shift, is that more companies right now are focused on IDP than what we had seen previously as part of their first engagement. And so there are a lot of use cases for IDP out there, and I think people are hearing about them and it's intriguing. And so when they find out that that's something that's within grasp for them, then they immediately latch on because this is an area where there's usually a tremendous amount of manual work required. And because our platform has all of the necessary technology for IDP built in, that means our cost is not really transactional. So it can scale with them for a very minimal investment because they're, they're not paying on a transactional basis how many pages they process or how many document types they have. And I think that has given us a tremendous amount of traction in the IDP space. And just to clarify for those not familiar with the IDP acronym, uh, that's uh, Intelligent Document Processing is generally what we're referring to there. Um, there's different flavors of that, of course. Uh, there are versions that can handle handwriting sometimes, uh, all the way through to those that only handle very structured data. So, where are you? Uh, where's your technology on, on that continuing? Yeah, so this is an area where we have really put a lot of our RD focus in the past year or so because we have seen this as an emerging focus area for a lot of companies. So we, we've been trying to make the process easier and also apply in more situations. As you said, there's a tremendous range of technologies in play here from standard OCR that people have seen and known about for a long time to advanced usage of uh, artificial intelligence as a way to bolster the, the way that you are extracting intelligent data from something that's completely unstructured. 
And that's really what IDP is all about. So we've invested a lot of time and effort in our product in the past year in making that whole process easier and making it apply to more kinds of documents and really more data sources in general. Because I think the other thing that we see at play here is that IDP is really moving from the document focus where it started to more of a general data focus. And people are seeing everything as a data source or as a potential data source. And so if you can use this IDP technology as a way to unlock that, that does all kinds of useful things for you. I think when, when people realize that they're able to bring together data from all these disparate systems and report on that holistically, it can unlock so many insights into their business that they didn't know were possible before. I, I would very much agree with you there on um, the, the shift from document to data processing. Um, I'm wondering, Alan, uh, could you maybe explain for our audience uh, a, a typical use case, uh, how you're actually being deployed into businesses and, and what value they're getting from it? Sure, yeah, just latching on to what we we're talking about uh, related to IDP, one of, the, one of the biggest use cases that we've seen there where we built a solution because it's, it's fairly generic to all businesses is AP automation, right? Almost every business has some kind of version of accounts payable that they're dealing with. They might not have a big enterprise uh, ERP, but, but they have some systems at play, even if they're just manual systems, they have uh, systems in play and processes in play to make sure that they're getting paid for the work that they're doing. And so we've built a solution in that space using our technology that makes it very quick and easy for someone to start leveraging this technology, regardless of how they're implementing it in, in their particular case. So it could be real basic with very simple approvals or maybe no approvals at all to something with very complex approval chains and ability to redirect and uh, reprioritize based on the level of the expense or the type of expense and also incorporating two-way and three-way matching and pulling things from the, from the ERP system or other systems externally to do that. And so it, it can be very extensible, but the reason why customers find this solution to be so attractive is it's something that we can show them upfront. Right, it's not, it's not something that uh, we have to just say, oh, imagine if you did this or did that. We can show them this solution that we put in place for many other customers and say, hey, you, you might have a different ERP at play here. You might, you might have a, this system might be different, but essentially this is the solution that you're looking at. And we've built this many, many times for many other customers. Is this something that you would find uh, valuable for your company. And so, you know, that's this solution led approach is what we're trying to move towards with everything that we do. And for some things, it just makes perfect sense, you know, like, like this one where we have a, a very common business process that lends itself to all different verticals. And yet everyone has a need for it and everyone's basically doing it in a similar way. Okay, so 
I'm guessing that's a response to what you're seeing in the market. But I, I'm interested to understand how you're seeing the market evolve, um, what challenges it, it's bringing. Uh, we've seen quite a shake-up in the, the large companies uh, in, in RPA specifically, um, and uh, some drastic reduction of uh, share price, for example, yeah. uh, in, in at least one case. So um, where do you think this is all headed? Uh, you're obviously in this game for good reasons and for a long run. Um, what do you think it's going to take for businesses to, A, recognise the value that uh, automation can offer, to, to make it genuinely mainstream? I know people have talked about it becoming very mainstream, but there's still an awful lot of businesses out there, as you're discovering in SMEs who haven't even touched this yet. Um, so what do you think it's going to take to make it something that is as ubiquitous as email? Yeah, I'm not sure that's a uh, that's the greatest comparison in a day where everyone's trying to make email go away. But but I know your point. Yes, it just so, won't, though, will it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I think what what I envision happening and think where I think the market is going is that we're going to move further down this path of uh, a solution driven approach where these solutions are going to get smaller and more well-defined. And people are going to choose their implementations, not based on, on vendor or technology, but more based on how good that solution matches to their needs. And as we go down that path, what that's going to mean is those companies that are best at developing those individual solutions and putting it together in a way that makes sense for the overall business, those are the ones that are going to win. And so that's the approach that we're taking to how we build our technology, because that's, that's how we think the market is headed. So I'd like to explore a little, if I may, um, now that we've understood where you are, uh, where you think the market's headed, maybe where uh, you guys fit in into the future. What are you planning to do over the next 12 months, 18 months? Um, and then maybe let's explore where you think this might all lead, where your business might be in, in five years' time. I, don't, I know that's hard to imagine because so much is changing so quickly at the moment. So let's yeah. just start with that kind of 12 to 18-month window. What what are you planning to do? Well, I think like like most companies out there, we're trying to really focus a lot on how we're leveraging AI within our platform. So we, we already talked a little bit about IDP and obviously AI plays a critical role in that. What I didn't mention before is that our platform is using AI technology that is all made by us. So we're not leveraging something that's made by someone else and, and therefore, we're, we're bound by the rules that they say we need to play by. We, we're developing on our own, and that has enabled us to go in some really interesting directions. Like one of the things that you will find in almost all cases of IDP is that there's an approach that's based on templates for extraction of data. And we're moving our solution to the 
uh, point where those templates will no longer be required. But you will be able to extract data using the AI straight out of the box because we, we've already collected enough data to build the model in a sophisticated enough way that it's able to extract the data for you with very good results without going through that additional step. And so those kinds of simplifications we're trying to make to make this more accessible to more people. Because as we've already talked about, many of our customers aren't technology experts. And so the more we do, not just from the standpoint of the initial development, but from the standpoint of the long-term maintenance to make it easy for them to be able to, to build a system that delivers results to their business and maintain it in the long-term without a, a huge incremental cost to them operationally, then that's the kind of solution that's going to stick around. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for something that just becomes a part of their business and it becomes a way that they work. And you know, we become partners with them from that standpoint. And I think we have seen that work for us time and time again. And that's kind of the focus that we want to keep as we move forward so that ultimately we will leverage this kind of citizen development movement that's out there where you don't need people who are trained in technology or trained developers to build these kinds of solutions or to maintain them, but people who know some things about technology but are really well-versed in the business process that they're working on, that's what will be required to build these kinds of automation solutions in the future. And so we're trying to get our product to that point where uh, we're making it easier for them to work in that way. So a, a, a shift towards more low-code uh, solutions as a, and, and perhaps uh, libraries of, um shortcuts to to get people rolling so they could get a get an off-the-shelf solution and then build out from there with their uh low-code capabilities yeah exactly so our studio environment we haven't really talked very much about this but we have a single studio that's used for developing all the components all the technology components of our platform so in our platform we've we've talked about how we have RPA built in. We also have full workflow engine built in. We have all these AI components built in, as well as a, a lot of things related to reporting and analytics. Really, all of those pieces of the puzzle that they need to build good end-to-end -end enterprise solutions are built into this common platform. And the really cool thing about it is that everything is built from this single studio environment. So from the standpoint of an organization looking to adopt these kinds of solutions, this means that the training burden on them is fairly light. They just have to train their people how to use this one studio environment and they can do everything. And they don't have to learn a bunch of APIs to do it. They don't have to learn how to integrate these different pieces that are coming from different vendors. It's all built into the single platform where the solutions are built using a single studio. And I think moving further down that path, 
you know, when we get to the point where we have these uh, these uh, solutions or or nuggets of of usefulness in place that they can leverage and kind of pull into place as part of an overall end-to-end -end solution that makes it even easier. And so what we have seen work with, with other companies and what we think will work for us too is enabling the community to play a role in that as well. So, you know, we know we do a lot of development on our platform. And so we're able to develop those solutions and we want them to be reusable for as many people that want them. But we also want to open that concept up to the community at large. So when someone else out there builds a solution that they're able to let everyone else leverage that too, if, if they want to. So I'm always intrigued by how um, the citizen developer would pull together all of the different elements you're talking about to create a process. So you be able to connect into the ERP, to be able to connect to workflows, to be able to connect to, to other data sources. Um, it, in studio, is that uh, a, a visual story? So, and I guess my question is, how does the visualization end up in the studio to be effective in the first place? Is there a whole series of integrations that are being done in the background to, to make this really easy for the consumer? Yes, yeah, so it's it's certainly more complicated than I'm making it sound at the at the highest level here. But but yes, you're right, and everything is driven from the process, right? So the studio is a visual development environment where the process takes center stage. So you, so you build the business process in the studio, and then it's really glued together with uh, a command language that's more more like. Uh, Microsoft Excel than it is like uh, Visual C++, right? So if you, if you can understand a set of common English statements and you understand how they can be used in different situations, then you can build an automation using the studio. You don't have to worry about uh, rules and, and syntax and programming languages to do it, but on the other side, one of the things that's really great about our, our platform is that it's all very open. So if you do have deep programming knowledge in-house already, you can leverage that and you can extend what we have already built in there in ways that will benefit your business specifically if you want to do that. But, but that's not required for most automations. Okay, so moving on from that, um, we were talking about the future 12 18 months out what are we looking at in five years time and i you know for a bit of context on this um we've talked about one office for quite a long time uh and the bringing together of front middle and back office for end-to-end -end processes within the same organization we think uh building out from that we're going to see one ecosystem and elements of it are arriving by the day uh, then you add to that the idea of processes having to go end-to-end -end across an ecosystem towards an end user, picking the best of breed at every step to deliver the finest experience to the end user. Uh, better fit between supply and demand, ultimately. Uh, better fit between um, end user and the experience that they actually want. But it's not necessarily within the control of individual companies. Uh, 
it's a much more collaborative world we may be entering. Yeah. How do you see what you're doing with Nivellus as uh, being able to, one, leverage that, because it might be the, all the interconnectivity of it is just one of the, the givens of how this is going to have to work going forwards. But um, two, how can you play a role that uh, you get fairly rewarded for? Um, because there's going to be challenges in understanding what value each of the elements is bringing to the end result. Yeah, I think I think you're right. In fact, I think we we buy into that vision of the future as well, where everything. I, I like the word ecosystems. I think it's an appropriate description because, really, what what I think we're going to see happen is we're going to get to the place where we really. I, I equate this, and I excuse me for getting a little more technical on this topic, but uh, I equate this to kind of the development movement towards microservices architecture, right? I think we're going in that same sort of direction here where there's going to be discrete nuggets of functionality that are going to form this really large library, right? And the ecosystem then is going to have access to that large library which is going to come from all different places. It will come from lots of different uh, vendors and companies, as well as from individuals. And it's going to be that each of these, these uh, nuggets is going to end up being combined with others in different ways and repurposed for different uses to form something else from what was originally intended. And then that all feeds back into that library. And so it opens a world really of endless possibilities for people that don't really have the, the technology acumen to build solutions like this on their own, but they can pick out based on the work that other people have already done, those pieces that apply to their business. And if it's very easy for them to put them together and form a solution, then that really transforms the way all of this works. Uh, and I guess the challenge for organizations is to work out which of those nuggets they want to be number one for. Uh, right. You have to figure out what you're good at, right? And what, what you want to be good at. Exactly. And to that end, do you have that in mind at the moment? Or is that something you really want to tease well, out I think, as this emerges? I, I think for, for us, what we have seen... Uh, in the market so far is that all of the major innovations are being driven by AI. And so because we have our own AI technology that we've built in-house, we're trying to focus most of our R&D efforts on making that better because that really unlocks the future for so many other areas. And so I think for us right now, at least the answer is build build our AI component out to the point where it's leveraging all the latest uh, developments available in that space in ways that other companies just can't respond fast enough to do, right? Because we're, we're smaller, we're more nimble. So that means that for us to be able to leverage technology that's just out last month or last week is far easier for us than other companies. And so being 
able to be responsive in that way and building that out into our platform, I think is what we're going to see emerging as a competitive advantage for us and drive us into the future. So that focus on AI, but also from the standpoint of doing it at speed. Makes a great deal of sense, Alan. Um, I don't know, is there anything uh, in terms of verticals, in terms of new areas you're going to explore, new regions even, that uh, you'd like to share? Yeah, I think for us, it's been an interesting evolution when we think about verticals. Our Historically, our, our start was in the financial services and insurance space, and I think they were really early adopters of these kinds of technologies. And they, they formed a lot of our early business. But at this point, what we see emerging is a, a real burst of energy within the healthcare space, especially within the US. A lot of, and I don't know if this is driven by the pandemic, but from a timing perspective, it, it seems to coincide with the pandemic that there are a lot of healthcare companies willing to invest a good amount of money now in technology solutions once, once they feel they can believe them. I, I would say they're, they're skeptical initially, but once they see the results, I think they're willing to invest in what these kinds of solutions can do for their business. So healthcare has, has been a big area of focus for us lately in all kinds of ways. Um, you know, that's one of the other interesting parts of the evolution of this technology that we haven't talked about before is that uh, really the initial focus was more on back office type activities. And now we're seeing that evolve more to customer facing type activities and those areas where this can have an impact on the customer experience. And that's a lot of what we're seeing in healthcare as well the usage of this as it affects the RCM solutions and, and the overall patient journey. And so that, that's a big focus area for us right now from a vertical perspective. The other area that just kind of came out of the blue, I think with the start of the pandemic was logistics and supply chain. I think we all, we all know the kind of pressure that they were under to be able to do more with the same or do more with less and I think that drove a lot of innovation within that space as well, where they were looking to leverage technology in ways where they had not previously done it. So from, from a vertical standpoint, th those have been two areas of, of focus for us. Thank you, Alan. Um, it's been really good to hear about the business today and hear about plans for the future. Uh, I hope our listeners have enjoyed it too. Before we go, is there anything else that uh, you feel you'd like to leave as a final message? One thing that we've, we've missed out because we just didn't get around to covering it. Well, I think I can end by saying this. One of, one of the things that uh, many companies ask us about is how we're different from anyone else. And, and we've already touched on, on many of those. The fact that uh, all of our solution is built by us, that the complete set of tools for end-to-end -end automation is built into a single platform where the solutions are built using a single studio interface. The fact that our intelligent document processing 
doesn't have a transaction-based licensing model. But I think overall, our, our focus really is on building the relationship with, with customers in a way that makes our solutions a part of their business. And because of that focus, we've seen almost all of our customers, we have very long-term relationships with where they consider us an extension of their team. And I think we, we have benefited from that and they have benefited from that. And I think that is also a big differentiator for us. When, when we have our customers feeling so aligned to us that they consider us an actual part of their team, we know that we're doing our job well. So, so I'll end with that saying, if that's the kind of thing that people want in their organization, that's the kind of thing that we are delivering. That's fantastic, Alan. Um, with that, thank you very much indeed. Alan Hester, President Lividus. It's been a, a joy to chat with you today and I hope to be speaking to you before too long too. Take care. Thanks, David. Nice talking to you also. Thank you.